Hey guys, this is EJ Hahn with the Wolverine.com, and we're back with another Wednesday recruiting chat. As always, if you're not a subscriber to the Wolverine.com, I definitely encourage you to sign up today. Just $10 until next football season. That gets you premium insider recruiting information, team information, especially with the Big Ten title game just a few days away. Uh, basketball season is underway, basketball recruiting. You get all of that, plus a great message board community over at the fort right now just sign up at the wolverine.com ten dollars until next football season so ten dollars gets you through august of 2023 all right guys also if you haven't subscribed to the youtube channel that is completely free click the subscribe button definitely helps we're almost to 20k can you guys help us get to 20k tonight please hit the subscribe button make sure to like the video and uh, we are going 30 minutes tonight on the dot. So if you want your question answered with a thorough answer, you can skip the line of questions. We already have some questions in the chat. So if you want to skip the line of questions, you can click the donate button. That allows you to get in with a super chat. And uh, that money goes towards our travel budget so we can go out and see recruits on the road and bring you guys great information. Um, yeah, definitely helps. So do that if you are inclined. Let's go ahead and start the show, though. And it's uh, definitely a crazy week for Michigan recruiting. Obviously, Collins Anchiampong, uh, Michigan's highest rated commit or former highest rated commit per on three flip to Miami uh, in a bit of a shocker in terms of where he flipped to. Obviously, he was visiting uh, schools out west uh, didn't flip to either UCLA or USC, ended up flipping to Miami, which is being very aggressive with NIL. And I'm sure we'll get into that and a lot more. So again, make sure to leave your questions. If you want to skip the line, make sure to leave a super chat. Let's go to Gavin Johnson. Uh, and here's Collins Anchiampong's profile. As you can see, he was ranked as the number 15 edge and number 105 overall prospect nationally. Uh, by on three and was a top 200 player on the consensus. And uh, as you see, a minus <laughs> or less than not minus, I'm terrible at math, minus 1% chance of Miami landing Collins Antiopong uh, on the on three recruiting prediction machine. Um, so that's, that's how that goes. I guess it is recruiting, but we are ushering in a new era with NIL where, even a less than 1% chance uh, can can earn you a commit as long as you have NIL. Uh, but let's go ahead and talk about Eno Etta, uh, Michigan's other on 300 edge commit and the highest rated commit in the class per the on three consensus. Um, as you can see here, he's, he's actually a top 100 prospect on 24-7, top 200 on on three and ESPN and top 300 on rivals uh he is listed as a defensive lineman but michigan recruiting him as an edge seeing him kind of in the same mold as uh as a mike morris but i know uh obviously very very close to collins ancient pong they consider each other brothers uh i know eno was a little hurt yesterday when uh when collins made that flip over to miami i know collins really wanted to play with eno as well so a disappointing situation for both of them uh now with collins at miami i would expect miami to be even more 
aggressive in their pursuit of Eno, and uh, I'm sure Collins will do some recruiting of his own for the Hurricanes. But Miami's never lost contact with Eno. Um, back in the summer, they were recruiting him and Collins hard together as a package duo. Um, over the last few months, there has been contact. I had a recent big Q&A with Eno, which I would definitely advise you to check out if you're a subscriber to the Wolverine.com and missed it, or if you're not a subscriber, sign up for $10 uh for a year and uh you can read that q a uh he gives some very very insightful answers but in that interview he did mention miami as a school that was still recruiting him um and you know I, it looks like we have a, a super chat and we'll get to you right in a second right after i just finished off these uh thoughts on on eno etta um, but yeah, I, I do think Miami is a bit of a factor, definitely a team to watch now that they have Collins, but I think at a situation is a little bit different, you know, Collins, if anybody needed NIL, it was definitely Collins. He has some crazy, uh, situations going on, you know, at home with, with both his biological mother and his, his hosts as well. So, uh, I kind of feel for him, uh, as, as well, but with Eno, I think he, his background's a little bit different. Um, I think that he's also a kid that really values the academics at Michigan, a guy that wants to do computer science or engineering. I know his family really values the academic portion. Um, and he also values Michigan's edge development. Uh, obviously, Michigan has done well with Aiden Hutchinson, David Ajabo, Mike Morris. Uh, Mike Morris and Etta have formed a really close friendship as well. Um, Etta has visited Oklahoma and TCU, so I wouldn't dismiss them either. And I'm certainly not dismissing Miami with their NIL run. But right now, it looks like uh, he's still firm with Michigan. But a lot can change in three weeks. But again, as of now, it looks like Etta... Uh, is still happy with Michigan. We got two super chats. We'll go to our first super chat. So uh, I'm not sure how to pull it up on the screen. Maybe our producer, Matt, can do so. Okay, there we go. Thank you. This is why uh, our producer, uh, Hutch, who is uh, named after Aiden Hutchinson, is so great. Um, but Road Pierce, EJ, Shane Johnson with 999. So a big super chat there. Collins and potentially his boy chasing NIL bags on South Beach. Bummer. Give me a percent you would guess now that we can land Nicholas Harbour. And do you consider Jordan Marshall the second most important recruit in 2024? That's a great question. Okay. Um, first question, and we'll get to our other super chat. We had a huge super chat come in. I'll get to you um, as soon as possible. We're, we're getting to Shane because he was in first. Uh, but Nicholas Harbour. So had a chance to see him this past weekend. Not a ton had changed, obviously, with him still, you know, competing in his senior season. That did come to an end on Saturday as Archbishop Carroll was eliminated from the playoffs by uh, Friendship Collegiate. So last game for Harbor, he can now fully turn his attention to recruiting. As far as a percentage, oh, man, that's a tough one. Uh, I think, you know... It, Today, so November 30th, I would say the percentage would be uh, right at about 55, maybe. I'd give a slight edge to Michigan, but there's still so long to go in this recruitment. I know it doesn't seem like it because signing day is three weeks away, but you have to keep in mind that Harbor is waiting until the February regular period to make a decision. He still has three official visits to go. One being Maryland, another being Georgia, and another being LSU. And those SEC schools really scare me. Not only do they offer more from an NIL perspective, 
Um, but they also are more friendly with track programs. And as we all know, Harbor, uh, who is ranked as the number one athlete by all four major services, is a guy that wants to play football and run track at the next level. He runs a 10 2 100 meter at six foot five, 225 pounds. So just a freak athlete and a top level sprinter at the high school level. So he, he wants to do both. Track was actually his first love. Uh, so track's very important to him. And that's obviously been a negative for Michigan throughout the recruiting process. I mean, good news there is he's close friends with women's track stars, Aya Holman, his uh, one of his track mentors, his club coach is a Michigan alum. So that's definitely helpful on the track side. And Michigan's track program has been very helpful in keeping in contact with Harbor and communicating with the football staff in regards to his recruitment. But obviously more climate friendly down in Baton Rouge and down in Athens and both LSU and Georgia. Um, you know, our, our major contenders here. Remember, Georgia wasn't even in its final five. They recently uh, soared back into this recruitment. Obviously, Georgia doing great on the field. LSU, uh, not too shabby on the field in Brian Kelly's first year. So, yeah, I am very concerned about both of those schools, and I am still very concerned about South Carolina as well. Uh, from what I've been able to gather, they've been great at selling uh, their NIL. Uh, and also Sterling Lucas is one of the uh, best young emerging recruiters in the country, and he's done a fantastic job with Harbor as well. So all three of those SEC schools uh, bring a little bit of fear. I do think Michigan will get him back on campus for an unofficial visit. I also think Harbor's a guy that, look, man, I mean, he's, again, a freak of nature. Like, he's going to get a ton of NIL deals no matter where he goes. I think he knows that. Uh, you know, the positives for Michigan is obviously Michigan is a superior school to the uh, programs that he has that he is considering. He does value education. He wants to be a neurosurgeon. His father works for NASA. His mother's a pharmacist. The family really values education. I spent some time with Harbor's father uh, a few weeks ago, and he, you know, mentioned how education was the number one factor for him. Uh, his mother has uh, is originally from the Detroit Metro, still has a ton of family there. And the flight, uh, you know, to Michigan isn't very far. It's uh, about an hour and a half flight. So it's a quick plane trip for the family. They can go out and see him at any time while visiting family at the same time. So uh, also just Michigan's, you know, development, the NFL history, Jim Harbaugh, all of that great stuff is very, very appealing to Harbor. But I think the percentage right now is pretty arbitrary just because we have so long to go. And I, I do think Michigan does need to get him in for an unofficial visit since those SEC schools have OVs remaining. Uh, second part of the question, do I consider Jordan Marshall the second most important recruit in 2024? Uh, I love that question uh, just because, you know, everybody's talking about Jaden Davis right now and uh, how he's the most important guy in the class. And obviously he's a very highly touted quarterback. But yeah, I mean, I'm trying to go through my head and, and think of guys that would take that second spot. I think Justin Scott would be in the running uh, five star level defensive lineman from Chicago. Uh, is a guy that's the priority. He's, I, I think, has first round draft pick written all over him. Uh, but I do think Jordan Marshall is very, very important and is definitely in the same discussion as that second most important recruit in 2024. Look, back-to-back -back cycles, Michigan hasn't landed an elite every down back. I love Cole Cabana as an athlete. I think he's a guy that's going to do a ton of things and be a very valuable weapon for Michigan, but I don't think he's going to be an every down back. I think CJ Stokes is going to be good, but not amazing. 
I think that, you know, Benjamin Hall still has uh, a lot of proving to do. So Michigan hasn't landed an elite back uh, or an elite every down back. Again, I consider Cole Cabana more of an athlete. Um, and again, that's not a knock on Cabana. I, I really, really like him as a prospect. Obviously, had a sensational senior year, but I think he's a guy you kind of move around and do different things with. Uh, in terms of the guys that they have taken as running backs, you know, the other than Donovan Edwards, you had Tavier Dunlap, who I just did not love as a recruit, CJ Stokes, Benjamin Hall. These haven't been those elite backs like a Donovan. Um, so I or or like a Blake. So I do think getting Jordan Marshall on board is imperative. He is the only top 100 running back that Michigan is a true, true player with. He's obviously out of Ohio where Michigan is making a huge push. Uh, he's extremely talented uh, on three has him as the number 45 overall prospect nationally. This is the type of back that Mike Hart needs to land. It's awesome that he's making him a priority and not settling early in 2024 like he's done in his first two cycles at Michigan, but he needs to land Marshall. And, and that should I mean, not be a gimme, obviously, especially with Ohio State involved, but look at everything Michigan can sell to running back recruits. I mean, the running back production, the amount of carries the backs get, Mike Hart's track record of developing guys, his resume as an actual running back. I mean, everything is lined up there for Michigan to land top flight running backs. Mike Hart should have no problem landing type top flight running backs. And I think Marshall needs to be the guy in 2024 running back recruiting has been extremely frustrating. Um, I do think that Marshall uh, is one of the must lands and I know not all recruits are must lands. There's only a handful. I think Marshall fits in that must land category. Um, let's go ahead and go over to our next super chat. Devon Robinson with a huge super chat. 1999, man. We really appreciate you. Uh, if you guys want to skip the line, get your questions in. Remember, we're going 30 minutes tonight. Then make sure to come in with a super chat. If not, your questions will be answered in the order we receive them. All right. Uh, Devon says that Collins flip hurt worse than the Raylan flip. Wow. Um, well, it did hurt, you know, I, I guess from it just being Miami and kind of one of those shake your head deals. And Raylan, we kind of saw coming a bit. Um, but I would say Raylan was the more hurtful flip. Any edge prospects we can put a last minute blitz on to commit or flip to Michigan? And will Michigan try to talk Harbor into playing edge now? Um, okay, so yeah, good questions. Uh, any edge prospects that Michigan can take a look at here late? Uh, so the guys I offered um, up yesterday over at the Wolverine where Joseph Mapoy won. He is currently trending to Penn State coming off a visit there. But if you remember, Mapoy was a, sure should be a familiar name or a blast from the past, I guess. He was a very early Michigan lean. He visited for the spring game. He was a teammate of five-star Nicholas Harbor, who you just mentioned. They are very, very close. So getting Mapoy on board would definitely help with Harbor. Um, and you see his profile being brought up here. He is a uh, four-star on two services, including on three and a three-star on 24-7 and Rivals. He is new to the game of football, just started playing last year. So a, a ton of upside here, kind of similar in, in, in the sense with Collins. Um, but you look at, at his school now, he's at St. Thomas More. So one of the reasons 
Mapoy never ended up in Michigan's class is because of transcripts. He also aged out of uh, high school, so he's now at the prep school in Connecticut, St. Thomas More. Uh, I'm not sure what his transcript situation is. If things have gotten in line, then you know he could be a guy that that Michigan circles back to again. He was a heavy, heavy lean. Uh, I was expecting him to commit if they hadn't run into those roadblocks of the transcript situation. Like I said, he is trending towards Penn State. So if Michigan wants to move, make a move, they need to make one fast. Uh, I did see Joseph actually uh, over the weekend. He was back out in Washington D.C. supporting his former team, uh, in- including friend Nicholas Harbor. So. That would be an obvious one. Um, Another prospect that I personally really like and Michigan was interested in in the spring didn't show a whole lot of interest in the Wolverines, but Michigan has done great recruiting edge guys um, out of the DMV. Uh, And that's Neil Avery out of only good counsel, one of the uh, premier powerhouses in that region of the country. Neo did tear his ACL, which I think halted his recruitment a little bit. He's committed to Ole Miss. But again, even after the ACL injury, this is a kid that Michigan was really, really high on. He has experience playing quarterback at the high school level, but he's just a a phenomenal athlete, six foot four, 225 pounds with a ton of potential. You see he's rated as a a four-star uh, by 24-7 and ESPN, three-star by on three and rivals. But Neo's a kid that I really like. Again, committed to Ole Miss. Um, Ole Miss's defensive line coach is a great young recruiter as as well, Randall Joyner. Uh, but I think with Michigan, uh, the relationships they've built in the DMV, having a prior relationship with Avery and the success they've had developing edge guys, along with the season they're having, I think he could be um, a possibility as well. So those are two guys I'll definitely offer up. And then as far as getting Harvard to play edge, I don't think losing Collins has any impact on Michigan's uh, pitch to Harbor because Harbor wants to start off on offense and Michigan is not going to deny that they want to get him on board as a true, uh, offensive athlete because again he wants to preserve his body for track track is extremely important to him so look i i think offense is going to be the way for harbor do i think he could eventually move to edge yeah man i think that harbor's biggest upside is definitely at edge i i think he could be a top five nfl draft pick as an edge so you know Potentially a business decision has to be made whether he's going to continue running track. And if he does, then it looks like he is going to have to be a wide receiver, or tight end. And on the offensive side of the ball, he still does have work to do. I mean, he's raw on both sides of the ball, but I think he does have more work to do offensively. He's a little tight in his hips, uh, especially getting in and out of breaks. He's not a particularly natural pass catcher. He's not a terrific route runner either. So he's going to have a lot of developing to do as an offensive player. Whereas a defensive player, I think even with his, uh, even needing development with his raw talent, with his speed, just line him up as a wide nine, let him pin his ears back and get after the quarterback. I think that he, he has more upside there for sure and can make a better impact and a more quicker impact on the defensive side of the ball. But again, with track being such a factor, uh, the pitch is going to be offense because that's what he wants to to do. All right, let's go ahead and go on to our regular questions. It looks like those were our two super chats. If you want to jump the line, 
make sure to um, leave a super chat. But uh, we're going to Mark Valentine, who uh, was next in line with his question. What is the big difference between Michigan's NIL and these other programs? Is Michigan going to be able to fix the issues? Um, yeah, so it depends which programs you're talking about, right? If you're talking about Miami, Texas A&M, Oregon, these are schools that are you know, making guarantees that are obviously very aggressive with their NIL pitch. That is their, uh, not not necessarily their entire selling point, but that's a huge part of their selling point to recruits. I mean, money talks and they're willing to spend money on the recruiting side. And yeah, you can say, oh, it's illegal because, you know, you're inducing recruits and that's still against the NCAA rules. Uh, but things get kind of murky with state laws, you know, like in California, for example, high school players could sign NIL deals already. And on top of that, nobody's enforcing these NCAA rules. So until somebody enforces rules, they're not really rules, right? So they're uh, definitely going against the grain there. Um, if you're talking about schools like uh, Notre Dame and Penn State, uh, which are less NIL oriented than uh, Miami, Oregon, A&M, uh, I think they're just a little more organized on the recruiting side with their collective and have a, a plan going. I don't know the exact specifics of the other programs, but with Michigan uh, specifically, you know, it's more so, hey, here's what you can make. Here's what the current players are making. Uh, here's, you know, some examples of packages we can get uh, for you, but nothing's, you know, upfront. Okay, I'm not, I'm not sure what's going on here with the uh, Wi-Fi. Hopefully, we can survive for ten minutes. I know, I know. I, I'm going to tell my wife to stop messing with the uh, the plants. I guess. Um, hopefully, uh, the Wi-Fi does not go out, or my wife doesn't disconnect it. Um, but let's go ahead and uh, go back to what we were discussing, which uh, was the NIL. Uh, yes, thanks to uh, our producer Hutch. He says. Uh, what is the biggest difference between Michigan's NIL and these other programs? Is Michigan going to be able to fix the issue? So we were talking about how other programs like uh, Miami or Texas A&M or Oregon, you know, they're making guarantees. Michigan's not. Notre Dame and Penn State programs like that are less aggressive on the NIL side, but still are creating movements, still have highly ranked classes. Uh, they appear to be a little bit more organized and recruiting friendly. I think Michigan's trying to find a happy medium right now. Michigan has nothing to really pitch in terms of here's what you can make like a, a true number. They can reference what maybe, you know, an individual player makes and say, you can do that, but there's no set true plan. Nobody has their ducks in a row with the collectives and the administration and all that. Now I have heard that Michigan is looking to do something similar to a few smaller programs like um, my alma mater, SMU, uh, Texas Tech, uh, another school that's doing this where they have a set quote unquote base salary. So if you're, you know, a skill position recruit, you automatically get 50K plus everything else you earn on your own with NIL. Uh, so, you know, that number could obviously be larger at Michigan, Michigan being a much bigger school than an SMU and uh, having much uh, bigger, you know, uh, having a much bigger alumni base, more donors, et cetera. Um, so if you can say, hey, 
you know, if you are a skilled player, if you're getting paid 50 K a year, that's a, that's 200 K. If you stay four years, plus all the NIL endorsements you can make with Michigan's global brand and our alumni network and all that good stuff. So that would be a starting point for sure. That would allow Michigan to keep the culture to, um, you know, to avoid having a, a complete crash like Texas A&M did with their freshman class. Uh, it would still allow them to recruit kids that aren't chasing just the highest bidder, but uh, kids that do want to get paid, but still value what Michigan has to offer. Uh, and I think even offering, you know, half or three fourths of uh, what some of these other schools are offering um, can, can get elite level recruits enticed. Uh, by what Michigan is doing. So I think the base salary is also a good plan from a team perspective because everybody gets paid, everybody benefits. And, you know, Jim Harbaugh has very much preached family, taking care of everybody. And that plan would allow everybody on the team to to be taken care of. Now, they want to clarify something on the NIL side. Michigan has done a great job of getting their players opportunities of taking care of guys um, on the team. You're seeing great success with guys like Blake Corum, Mike Morris, J.J. McCarthy, uh, some of the bigger names uh, profiting off of NIL. Um, but I think across the board, if you can have that base salary, again, to pitch to recruits, that's definitely a great starting point. Um, let's go down to our next question, and it, it comes from Tyler Butosh, and he says, how can people decommit from a 12-0 and team? Uh, well, like I said, NIL talks, man. I mean, if you're in a situation where you need a guaranteed amount of money uh, and not everybody is as fortunate as maybe you or me, they uh, they need that money quickly. I mean, you can make a rash decision. These are 17-year-olds making decisions. They're not necessarily looking at the long-term benefits of Michigan's education or the 12-0 and 0 season. I mean, if somebody offers you for example, if somebody offers you uh, $5,000 and I tell you, I'm going to give it to you now, or I tell you, I'm going to give you $5,000 next November and you'll get some extra benefits, which one are you taking? I mean, that's a hard decision. I mean, for me, I'd, I'd just take the cash now. <laughs> I don't really want to know about the extra benefits if someone's giving me five grand right now. Uh, so kind of think about it like that, like in your own life. Would you take that money right now? Would you wait an entire year and not, you know, really know what exactly those benefits could potentially be if they're going to be much better than the 5k that you might need right now. Um, you know, it's, it's things like that, that these guys have to process. And on top of that, they're not adults. And some of these guys don't have, uh, you know, a strong support system to let them guide, to guide them through this. Some of them, you know, might come from, from rougher circumstances. So yeah, I think uh, the record, it doesn't matter to some recruits that are looking to profit off of NIL immediately. So it's just, it's just kind of the age we live in. Um, let's go ahead and, oh, we have a super chat from Shadyville 03199. Uh, our producer Hutch has not come up with a little horn sound. So um, yeah, now Hutch not doing a great job on that one. But um, let's go ahead and see what Shadyville 03 says. He says, any off the radar commits? Um, an example, uh, Derek Moore, Darius Clements from last cycle, 
Um, yep, I got I got your question, Sadieville. Okay, so let's go ahead and uh, address potential, you know, maybe late guys that could get in the fold. Uh, I'm not sure if you'll see a recruit of the caliber of a Derek Moore or a Darius Clemens. Uh, those guys were top 100 guys, and things kind of fell into place with coaching changes, um, things like that. Uh, this cycle, I mean, that could still happen. We're still three weeks away. Michigan's actually going to benefit from signing day being pushed back a week. So normally it's around the 15th. It's on the 21st this year. So an extra week there. Um, yeah, I think uh, some guys to maybe keep an eye on. And again, it's tough for me to really say names because of the rise of NIL. If we're looking at potential highly touted guys, um, if I were just to throw some out there, uh, Aaron Williams is definitely one to keep an eye on. He's discussing potentially taking a, an official visit to Michigan in December. He's a four-star cornerback out of California committed to Louisville. But the problem with Williams and that recruitment is Louisville is very NIL heavy. And the other schools he's considering, uh, Georgia and Oregon, are also very NIL heavy. So he comes to Michigan for an OV, how much does that matter considering, you know, the other schools that are involved in how they uh, handle NIL? So I'm not super optimistic on Aaron Williams, but he is worth mentioning since he is highly rated, as you see here, a top 200 prospect on the on three consensus um, and is looking to maybe make a, an OV to Michigan in December. Um, some other guys to throw out there. Uh, Jacoby Johnson, who's committed to Oklahoma, uh, really, really love him as a prospect, man. He would be one hell of a flip from the Sooners. Now, he is an Oklahoma kid. Um, he is a top 100 kid, so that's going to be really tough to do. But he really, really liked Michigan, the feel Michigan kid. He was a high academic kid as well. Um, so I think Jacoby Johnson could be one. Um, think that maybe... You know, if I were to throw out another one just to, that has a, a connection to Michigan, I guess, uh, or or two that have friendships with Michigan commits, uh, Jackson Howard, who's committed to LSU, another edge prospect, you know, Michigan now in need of an edge. Uh, Howard had Michigan in his final five. Uh, but from everything I've gathered, Howard's pretty solid to LSU, but he is friends with Eno Etta. Maybe gives Michigan another look. He's a Midwest kid out of Minnesota. So, you know, I, I wouldn't completely dismiss him. Caden McDonald, who's committed to Ohio State. He was really close to Enoetta. He was close to Collins and Pong as well. He almost committed to Michigan um, and then ended up choosing Ohio State at the end of the process. But uh, or at the end of the current process, it's not over till it's over. But Michigan's coming off a win over Ohio State. Um, he did love his visits to Michigan. Eno Etta, uh, again, is a close friend of his, so maybe Eno can work some magic if he sticks with the Wolverines. So those are some guys that I'll throw out. Let's go ahead and go down to um, Michigan Rick, who says, I guess you don't have to pay that much to three stars. Um, not necessarily. Yeah, I, I think some schools uh, are presenting NIL pitches to three stars. I mean, if you're SMU and you have that base salary package, I think maybe that helps you land some of the uh, high stars. If you're a, a three star and you have a chance to play at a lowly G5 school, 
uh, or a lowly P5 school like uh, Rutgers, or if you have a chance to play at SMU and they're offering you an NIL package, then, um, you know, obviously SMU could be the play there. But I think in terms of, of Michigan, Michigan still holds that iconic brand. It's still the 12 and 0 program. It's still big 10 champions. I think that anybody would be any three star, even if they do have a smaller NIL package would be dumb not to consider going to Michigan, but there is still some NIL involved with three stars. I think the big, big NIL uh, movement is going to be more so for guys that are ranked in the top 250 i think those are the guys that are going to have a lot of nil deals waiting for them or the majority of them will uh let's go ahead and go down to a different topic rk7731 says i heard Jaden davis is going to commit to michigan soon any truth to that um yeah it's definitely possible um Jaden davis has stated on numerous occasions that he is looking to commit before the end of the calendar year. So we are still a month to go uh, or a month away before New Year's Day. So still plenty of time for Jaden Davis to make his decision. Uh, and I do think if he sticks to that timeline, if he does decide to make a decision in the next few weeks, um, you know, leading up to Christmas, then I do feel like the pick will be Michigan. I've had my prediction in for the Wolverines for several months I feel great about it. And I mean, look at the other contenders. I mean, unless you have like a Miami swoop in <laughs> or something like that, uh, which isn't completely out of the uh, realm of possibilities at this point. But if you look at the contenders, I mean, Clemson, uh, they've had their eyes on, on DJ Lagway for a little while and they're uh, recruiting some other quarterbacks. Tennessee had him in for a visit, but doesn't look like there's much movement there. Penn State uh, was recruiting him really hard, but he never visited in the fall. North Carolina had him in for a visit in the fall, but not a lot of movement there as of late either. So the only school that really makes sense is Michigan. He's been so many times. He visited on multiple occasions throughout the fall. He has a great relationship with head coach Jim Harbaugh, quarterbacks coach Matt Weiss. Um, he loves the pro experience that both Weiss and Harbaugh bring to the table. He loves the fact that Harbaugh played quarterback at the University of Michigan. So everything's kind of lining up there. He's also developed a close friendship with JJ McCarthy, who's already serving as a bit of a mentor. So yeah, I think that right now um, it's, it's definitely a very strong possibility that Michigan does get Jaden Davis on board before the end of the calendar year. So um, yeah, I would say there are truth to uh, the rumors, but I, I wouldn't call them rumors. We've kind of been reporting that uh, for a little while now. Let's go down to um, a lot of you guys are very opinionated, but aren't asking questions. Let's go to Kevin. Uh, I believe Eno isn't planning to enroll early, but he is planning to sign during the early period. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, so Eno is a great student in the classroom, 4.0 kid. Like I mentioned earlier, he wants to uh, major in computer science uh, and or engineering. So he takes academics seriously. Eno told me he actually has all the credits to graduate early, but his high school uh, does not allow that. And it's kind of weird because there are a lot of high schools that are like that, like Gonzaga, where Evan Link plays. They uh, don't allow kids to enroll early either. So a lot of these private schools have certain, I guess, stipulations where you can't enroll early, but Eno has enough credits. I kind of feel bad for him. I think he would benefit a lot from enrolling early. I know he wanted to 
enroll early. But the good news is he is uh, planning to sign during the early signing period. I'll probably be in Dallas uh, around signing day because um, going back to see family, but uh, so that I'll, I'll check in with Eno and uh, probably go to a ceremony and all that good stuff. And if something happens, I'll be there uh, boots on the ground to report on it. Let's go down to uh, Joe Dollar. And he says, does Belleville firing Jermaine Crowell have a positive, negative, or indifferent impact on Michigan landing Bryce Underwood? I've heard you reference beef between Belleville and Michigan. Can't find anything. So, yeah, the beef uh, with Crowell extends uh, way longer than even my time on the Michigan beat. So several, several years back, uh, Crowell had a disagreement with Jim Harbaugh and there's been uh, some tension there ever since that happened years ago um, at a satellite camp two years ago. Harbaugh offered to shake Crowell's hand. Crowell refused. I reported on it and uh, Crowell hated me ever since then. Uh, and yeah, there's just always been uh, friction there between Crowell and Harbaugh. But, uh, you know, fences were mended. Pretty recently, uh, thanks to Steve Klinsko and Ron Bellamy, they do a terrific job recruiting around the Detroit Metro. Mike Hart as well um, was involved in helping repair that bridge to Belleville. So I think everything was fine or as fine as it could be, I guess, between Belleville and Michigan. Um, but I do think not having Crowell there uh, probably helps just having a less anti-Harbaugh voice uh, around Bryce Underwood can only help. But I still think Bryce Underwood's recruitment is going to be tough to win. He has a lot of major suitors. I'm sure he'll have all types of NIL deals rolling through. Uh, he does have a wandering eye for programs down in the South, but Michigan is making him a priority. He visited a couple of times um, this fall. He's a tremendous talent. Uh, he's even bigger than that listed 6'3", 202. He's physically one of the most impressive underclassmen quarterbacks I've ever seen. Obviously has led Belleville to back-to-back -back state titles. The first one he led them to, he was only 14 years old. So he's a terrific talent, superior arm strength, uh, again, terrific frame. I really love what Bryce Underwood can bring. But Michigan's not doing all its eggs in one basket um, with Underwood. Obviously he's a priority, but they are recruiting other top 2025 quarterbacks like Ryan Montgomery, who's in the top 100, Cutter Bowley, who's in the top 100. So there are some other options at quarterbacks as well. Um, let's go down to, uh, looks like we got some more comments, comments. Um, sorry, guys. A lot of you guys are uh, arguing in the chat, so hopefully... Um, hopefully we all settle down. Let's go to Jesse Ariola, who says, who's getting in trouble with NIL right now? What are we afraid of and who? I'm not sure that anybody, you know, at Michigan's getting in trouble. Certainly nobody nationally is getting in trouble. It's not like the NCAA is handing down punishments for inducing recruits, even though it's out in the open. Um, it's just not happening. And, you know, I don't think anybody's in trouble at Michigan right now. I think they're just trying to form a plan and it's taking longer than, uh, than we expected. So it's, uh, I, I think, you know, Harbaugh and, and now that, uh, Santa Ono is, is the university president, uh, as soon as we hit the off season, they'll push to get it done ASAP. I know Harbaugh wants to take care of his players. I know everybody's kind of getting restless with NIL and recruiting. So I'm sure Michigan will get it 
done um, in the offseason. Let's go ahead and go down to Tommy Hughes. Other than Harbor, uh, Jair Hill, possibly Aaron Gates, and Spencer Fano, are there other any other real 2023 blue chip possibilities? Oh, man, that's a tough one. I think you named the blue chip possibilities. Um, if you even consider Gates a blue chip a blue chip prospect because he is a consensus four star, but I believe he's a three star on a, a couple of sites, including on three. So, no, man, I mean, there are some outside potential guys they could get in the mix for. I mean, I mentioned some of them earlier, like, like an Aaron Williams that they're back in contact with, but a lot of the guys left on the board are, are not necessarily blue chip prospects. I mean, Carmelo English, I'll throw out. He's probably in the same uh, realm as Aaron Gates. He's a consensus four star, three star on some sites, but is an under armor all American and a prospect that I'm really high on. Uh, but Carmelo English, four-star wide receiver out of Alabama is at the top of the wide receiver board, has Michigan in his final uh, five, along with uh, Kentucky and Auburn look like uh, the, the biggest threats to Michigan uh, and are pushing to keep him south. It'll be interesting to see where Auburn stands now that Hugh Freeze is the head coach. And uh, I keep saying huge freeze um, but Hugh Freeze is the uh, head coach there so it'll be interesting to see how uh, much they push for him and uh, Kentucky has long been recruiting him has hosted him for multiple visits so English is probably one uh, that would be considered maybe a, a blue chip type of prospect but other than that not really I don't see Michigan really moving the needle for Toviano I don't see them getting back in with Makari Vickers um, out of the guys you mentioned, I think that, you know, Gates is still a flip possibility. Michigan's still in a great spot with Jair Hill, still in the mix with Harbor. I think Fano is uh, not looking too likely right now. But, uh, yeah, outside of that, I think you're looking at more um, guys with upside. Uh, you know, I, I really like some of the, you know, three-star prospects they're in on, especially the former Wisconsin defensive line commits, Trey Pierce and Jamel Howard. But in terms of blue chips, I would say the only one you're missing uh, as a, a potential blue chip would be uh, Carmelo English, uh, which is obviously not great. Um, let's go down to, um, looks like people were angry that I, I got lost. Uh, again, I did have some technical difficulties earlier, so apologies for that. Um, Michigan Rick says, who did we lose yesterday? <laughs> Where, where's Michigan Rick been? Who did we lose? Um, well, obviously Michigan lost um, Collins at Chiampong, uh on 300 edge for those of you that were not on this show earlier today um, and completely missed the news like Michigan Rick, who's uh, I guess been holed up watching the uh, World Cup or something and not paying attention to recruiting. Um, Collins Antiopong flipped to Miami uh, in a bit of a stunner. Uh, Obviously, UCLA and USC were schools that Anchupong visited and were continuing to recruit him. Um, I wouldn't call California his home. It's where he lives, but uh, he's originally from Africa and lives with a host family. Uh, but the local programs, I guess you could call them, uh, seem to be the schools that were really uh, in the mix for Anchupong. So 24 hours before Anchupong uh, flipped to Miami, 
you know, I wrote Don't Really Panic with Collins, one, because I did some digging on USC. It didn't really look like they were pushing too hard to get a flip. Uh, they did host him for a visit, but there weren't a lot of interactions with the coaching staff, and it looked like they had some others higher on the board late. And then UCLA, I just didn't uh, get a sense that there was a ton there. So I wasn't really worried about USC or UCLA, which is why I wrote Don't Really Panic, but I had I mean, I was completely blindsided by Miami, to be honest. I know it's my job to keep on top of things, and I take full accountability for being blindsided by Miami. But in the age of NIL, I mean, you never dismiss Miami and their uh, negative 1% chance of, I guess it's not negative, man, I'm terrible at math, less than 1% chance of landing uh, Collins and Chipong. But uh, apparently it happens in recruiting. So uh, in the age of NIL, nothing is impossible for the NIL Hurricanes. Uh, let's go down to, um, yeah, I did go longer tonight, guys. I had some technical difficulties earlier, so trying to get to um, all your questions. We'll wrap up here pretty soon, but um, yeah, I, I apologize for the technical difficulties. Like I said, uh, my uh, my wife was messing with her plants and uh and disconnected the internet oh uh, let's go to Nuber who says any chance of Dante Moore flipping to Michigan right now the general rule of thumb for Michigan fans is they're all in on Jaden Davis uh Michigan is really all in on Jaden Davis man I don't think there's anything with Dante Moore I don't think there's anything with Brady Drogosh who um you know committed to Cincinnati and obviously you have the the Luke Fickle situation um, look, Dante could be back on the market, maybe. Uh, Kenny Dillingham, obviously off to Arizona State. Dillingham was his primary recruiter, the offensive coordinator at Oregon, which was a big reason uh, Dante committed there in the first place. But I know Oregon did a great job on the NIL front as well. I know Dan Lanning, the head coach there, has been very involved with Dante as well. Um, look, I don't think, with Michigan just not being very proactive with NIL, I don't think there's going to be anything uh, with Dante, uh, and on top of that, he never really had the greatest relationship with Matt Weiss anyway, so it's not like he looks at that and says, all right, you know, these these are guys that I really love. Now, he did like Harbaugh, uh, but he felt a little slighted during the Harbaugh NFL drama. He did have a good relationship with Ron Bellamy, but again, I don't, I don't think that's going to be enough to really get back into the Dante Moore race, nor do I think Michigan is really looking to get back into the Dante Moore race. Um, they are all in on Jaden Davis. He is the guy, regardless of class, they have taken all the eggs in one basket approach with Davis, not actively recruiting any other 2024 quarterbacks, not actively recruiting any 2023 quarterbacks. They want him in the 24 class locked in as the quarterback of the future. So right now, you know, things can change. Obviously, you know, I'd like to see Michigan take a quarterback in 2023 um, just because I feel like you should take a quarterback every cycle. Uh, I love Brady Drogosh as well. Um, he's really risen up the rankings. I think on three ranked Brady ahead of Dante, which is a little insane. But uh, but like I said, I like Brady Drogosh. Uh, great measurables. Uh, a Michigan kid out of De La Salle let them, led them to a state title. Big frame pocket passer with terrific athleticism was the highest tester um, at the Elite 11 Regional in Ohio. So Brady Drogosh actually wrote after Michigan missed on Dante that Drogosh should be 
the guy. Um, and I still think, you know, if, it, if I were Michigan, I'd be going in for Drogosh uh, in spite of, of Jaden Davis and trying to land both of them. But right now the plan is to just go all in on Jaden Davis. They've uh, put in so many resources in the Jaden Davis recruitment. They really, really want him on board. So I don't think you'll see them make a push for, um, for Dante or for Brady. Let's go to Tyler Bay, and he says, what about the kid from Lawrence Central that just decommitted from LSU? Did we ever show any interest? So Joshua Mickens is a kid that visited Michigan a couple of times, I believe. I know he was on campus at least once, but right now he's trending towards Ohio State. I wouldn't be surprised if the Buckeyes um, get a commitment from him soon, but he's another guy that maybe potentially Michigan could circle back to. Um, RKA. 7731 says Aaron Gates flip chance. What's the latest on him? I uh, still think there's a good chance for Gates to flip. I think he has to bring himself to do it though. A um, couple of different things here. Uh, obviously Gates. Uh, well, not obviously if you haven't followed it closely, Gates did suffer a torn ACL um, and Florida was very instrumental in getting him the help that he needed with that injury, similar to Michigan and Tyler Morris. Last cycle, uh, Florida has done more on the NIL side than Michigan has. Um, so that's something that's a factor. But also, look, when I say Gates has to bring himself to flip to Michigan, this one has seemed like it's been in the cards for a long time. Right? He visited Michigan for the spring game and didn't flip. He visited Michigan for an official visit in the summer and didn't flip. He visited Michigan for an unofficial visit this fall and didn't flip. Like, obviously, he's looking to flip to Michigan and can't bring himself to do it. I've heard that his family has had great discussions about Michigan, It's but ultimately the decision is up to Aaron. Uh, I've heard that Michigan's done a great job recruiting uh, both his father and his mother, who works in education, so they value Michigan's academics. Uh, the school he goes to right now, Trinity Christian School in Sharpsburg, Georgia, is a very um, highly thought of, uh, academic high school. He has a teammate, a former teammate on Michigan's ro roster in preferred walk on Bryce Wilcox. Um, so there are some connections there. Um, his headmaster is a Michigan guy. Uh, yeah, there's just a, a lot that, that points to Michigan. He fits kind of that Michigan mold. He's known Steve Klinkscale since he was like a freshman. I remember seeing Aaron Gates at Michigan satellite camp in Nashville a couple years ago. Uh, when Clink was just hired and he talked so highly of Clink and their relationship early on. So Clink's been on him since, since he was at Kentucky. So that relationship is super strong. Jesse Minter has done a terrific job in this recruitment as well. He has strong ties to the state of Georgia. He's been down to Trinity Christian on multiple occasions. I know the coaching staff there loves Minter. So every Michigan has done everything possible in the Aaron Gates recruitment, similar to Jair Hill. I'm not sure what else they can do. Now it's just up to the kid and their families. We'll take, uh, you know, two more questions. Let's see who's um, left. Uh, let's see, go to Theodore Dodge, who says, EJ, can you clearly state what Michigan should do regarding NIL to recruit top 100 to 250 recruits? Are we out of it unless we pay for play? Uh, like I said earlier, I think Michigan's plan or what it wants to do is probably the um, the best option to keep that culture, uh, which is have kind of a, a base salary for the guys on the team. 
that way you can, you know, let's just throw out an arbitrary number. Let's say you're a wide receiver. You get 50 K a year. Uh, if you're a wide receiver at Michigan, you can sell that to a recruit and say, Hey, if you play four years at Michigan, you can make 200 K plus all the other NIL endorsements that come with uh, being a football player at the university of Michigan. Um, and I think kids that fit the culture, fit the mold that aren't just going for the highest bidder will value that as opposed to just the pay for play. Here's, you know, $400,000 up front. Let's go down to, um, <laughs> to Valdez Brown. He says, what's wrong with three stars? I like the three stars. Uh, Saner still was a three star and he's a beast. Um, yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with three stars. Here's the difference between three stars and what's going on with Michigan this cycle. And this is two completely different things. One, if you look at Rod Moore, right, let's just use Rod Moore as an example. He was a three star all the way. I think uh, maybe one service had him as a low four star. But Rod Moore is, is generally considered a three star. Michigan took Rod Moore early. Um, he was a guy that was a plan A guy. He was a three star that they valued a ton. Let's go to like uh, Jamon Green, right? Uh, I think he was a four-star on on maybe one site, but he was uh, generally a three-star at the time he committed to Michigan. He was a plan A guy, and I know this because I was covering Texas at the time. He was a plan A guy for Michigan, and Texas had offered him. The thing with Texas is they didn't offer German, or they, I guess, didn't really want to push for both of them. They only wanted Jamon. But Green was a three-star he was a plan A guy. He committed in the spring. So what's the difference here between these three stars that are committing early and the three stars Michigan's getting now the difference is those were plan A guys. The guys that Michigan's getting now are plan C plan D plan E like guys that weren't even on the radar or were far down on the board. Michigan's now having to take. So I'm fine. If, if you're, if you want to say, Hey, Michigan's great at evaluating all these three stars. That's true. They did great at evaluating Rod Moore. That's awesome. But Rod Moore was a plan A guy. These guys aren't plan A guys. And that's the big difference there is these aren't guys that Michigan evaluated and are trying to hit on. These aren't guys that are late risers like Mason Graham, where you have other power five schools really involved. Um, these guys are just guys that are far down on the board. And that's what's really disappointing. And that's the difference between using the three-star argument for Rod Moore and using the three-star argument for a Breon Ishmael. I mean, it just is. That's just a fact. And uh, I think that's that's where people need to draw a line is there's a difference between evaluating three stars early, making them priorities and trying to hit on them and having to go way down the list. Um, it looks like we'll see if we can take one more question. There is a lot of comments, actually. Um, I think that's let's go down to this last one. Um think Kamari Anderson will commit. Uh, so Kamari Anderson, brother of Raheem Anderson, just backed out of his verbal pledge to Cincinnati. Uh, maybe he's a guy that they could circle back to as an edge. I know that he wants to play tight end, but he does have experience playing edge. But right now I don't really see it in the cards. There hasn't been much movement uh, with Kamari Anderson. All right, guys, I appreciate you for joining me. Sorry for the technical difficulties. Glad we were able to do an hour show as opposed to half an hour, which it was it was supposed to be half an hour. So I thank you guys for joining me and 
uh, fighting through the technical difficulties, like this video and subscribe to the Wolverine. $10 until next football season. So that's $10 until August of 2023. What you get here is a taste of what you can get over at the Wolverine. Uh, like this video and uh, leave a comment, share the video and tell your friends about the Wolverine. Thanks for joining. Hope you guys have a great rest of the week.